Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about how to make decisions in times of very high uncertainty. You know, I think there's probably one certain thing in life and that's the fact that there's always going to be some level of uncertainty. Of course, there's times where, you know, the level of uncertainty is significantly higher, which can be stressful, like times like today. But to a degree, we all need to become comfortable with a certain level of uncertainty, and we need to learn how to dance with it. Uh, This is especially true with respect to financial decisions, uh, because markets never exhibit zero risk there's always going to be some level of uncertainty. And in fact, I've said it many, many times over the years that you can't wait for the perfect time to buy an investment property or invest in the share market. No such time exists. Ironically, however, you know, for example, when the share market is doing really well and has delivered significant gains over a a reasonable period of time, that's when people tend to be the most confident. But uh, that's Uh, ironic isn't it because really that's probably the time when the market exhibits the most amount of risk uh, and you should feel less confident uh, than investing say for example today after it's uh, fallen considerably. Uh, So what I wanted to do is write a blog that that, um, talked about or discussed how to navigate and how to make financial decisions and how to deal with uh, times of high uncertainty. And really, there's four, or sorry, three, I should say, uh, types of uncertainty uh, that exist, or three categories, if you like personal circumstances, domestic uncertainty, and then global uncertainty. And each is different and requires a different approach. Okay, so let's talk about personal uncertainty first. So that's really relates to, you know, the, the, um, your situation changing, your personal situation changing. So that could be a change in income loss of job, unexpected bills, uh, the end of a relationship, for example, these sorts of things that are specifically related to your personal circumstances. Um, So when you are faced with some personal uncertainty, typically the best thing to do is put all material financial decisions on hold. What I find from my experience is that within a a space of only a few months, possibly up to a year, that in most circumstances, the uncertainty resolves itself. So that is either your fears are, are realised and you know you do lose your job or your income does reduce or whatever, or the risk evaporates in totality. So that is that, that the risk is no longer present within, say, six months' time. Either way, it's likely that sometime in the near future, you'll be able to resume normal decision-making. That is that your personal uncertainty will evaporate and either you then need to proceed based on the assumption of a lower uh, ongoing income level or um, or in fact your income uh, remains intact. Uh, remember investing is a marathon not a sprint so there's no need to put yourself under any undue time pressure uh, and force yourself to make decisions uh, in the context or with a background of personal uncertainty. Instead, just make deliberate and well-thought-out decisions. There's no need to rush it. Of course, um, at the same time, you don't want to procrastinate. So you really want to avoid procrastinating or using um, certain uncertainty, which might not actually be that material, as an excuse 
for not making financial decisions. Of course, it's possible, though very rare, that the passage of time does not in fact eliminate the uncertainty. An example I can remember was I was working with a client that um, was doing project work for a large listed company, and there was always the prospect that that project would get cancelled or wouldn't get renewed, uh, and therefore the client would get a redundancy payout. Um, and this situation persisted for a long period of time. We really waited uh, probably two years or so. And at some point, we just had to proceed. We had to accept the risk, that higher risk, and proceed with implementing the plan. And we did so. Uh, of course, we took some mitigating circumstances, held uh, higher cash buffers than we otherwise would and so forth, and went ahead and uh, implemented the strategy uh, in the end, the redundancy did actually eventuate for that client, but not for many years until after we proceeded to implement the strategy. So um, history has proven that that was the right approach for that client. But at some point with personal uncertainty, if it does persist, you, you'll just need to uh, potentially contemplate uh, making decisions in, in light of it. Although in the main, as I said, uh, just waiting a little bit of time typically lets that uncertainty resolve itself. The, the second category is domestic uncertainty, and domestic uncertainty relates to matters that are specific to Australia. And they can include things like changes in taxation rules or economic health, such as a recession or higher interest rates, those sorts of things. And a recent example of um, some domestic uncertainty was in last year's federal election when the shortened Labor government were proposing to make changes to negative gearing and capital gains tax. Uh, remember that? That was that was uh, actually less than a year ago. Can't believe it, can you? We've had bushfires and coronavirus and a whole lot of other stuff uh, in between. To me, it feels way more than a year ago, but there you have it. So uh, how do you navigate domestic uncertainty? Well, you know, tax and superannuation rules are ever-changing. I don't think there's going to be a time when they don't change. It's just the backdrop of which the environment we act we operate in as investors. Also, economic cycles um, uh, occur regularly as well, although, you know, it's been almost 29 years since Australia's last recession. We're almost certainly in a recession at the moment as I record this podcast. So um, that streak has uh, almost certainly been broken. But of course, there's going to be different economic cycles uh, as we uh, as investors, and we need to uh, choose a strategy and an asset selection and a methodology um, that performs well uh, in spite of those cycles over the long run. Uh, and most of these risks uh, will continue to be present uh, for the foreseeable future. So the best way then to navigate domestic uncertainty is really through the formulation of your investment strategy. So for example, um, if you, you've got to have sufficient uh, diversification in regards to items such as investable asset classes, so that is spreading your money across various asset classes, and then also uh, spreading those assets across various ownership structures, so that you're not single point sensitive to a change in tax law. So that's one way how to deal with the tax law compliance changes. Um, uh, also to ensure, say, for example, property investments are a, of a sufficiently high quality so they're able to absorb the impact of a tax hike and still remain viable. 
obviously, if they increase taxes associated with investment properties, obviously, your after-tax return is going to suffer. But what you hope is that the quality of the asset and therefore the quality of the returns are so good that even in spite or despite of, I should say, the higher tax, the the after-tax return is still viable, is still economical, is still attractive. Um, So put differently, your investment strategy shouldn't fail just because of a change in law or a change of an economic cycle. For long-term investors, these events should not be unexpected. Another approach uh, to deal with uh, domestic uncertainty is to price the risk into the transaction that you're contemplating. So, for example, um, in in Australia at the moment, the unemployment rate is 5.2%. Bill Evans uh, from uh, Westpac is predicting that will peak, unemployment will peak at 9.3% in the third quarter of 2020. Um, But by the time we get to the end of 2021, unemployment will be back down to about 6%. Still higher than it is today, but not dramatically uh, different. This, of course, could have a negative impact on demand for property and therefore price growth. I I expect that it won't have a significant impact in investment-grade locations, but it could, right? So, therefore, if I was contemplating an investment property acquisition today, I would reflect that risk in the price that I offered. That is that I would want to or seek to acquire a property for below its intrinsic value to compensate me for the risk of buying today. That is if I pay say 5% less for that property and the property market doesn't actually provide much growth and just go sideways for the next year, I'm at least gain that 5% because I bought well at the time and that's a one way of, of dealing or accommodating Uh, some of domestic uncertainty in your investment strategy when you implement that strategy. Okay, the third and final um, category is global uncertainty. And so global uncertainty, as the name suggests, uh, deals with international risks and their potential impact on investment performance. So a couple of examples might be the risk of the US falling into a very deep and sustained recession and therefore the resultant impact on global consumption and growth. Uh, Or maybe China reducing at some point its appetite for our natural resources such as iron ore or gas. Uh, And so our exports, uh, you know, demand for our exports falling away. They're the kinds of international risks that, um, that we need to consider or sometimes navigate. Uh, So these factors will have limited to no impact on some asset classes, such as residential property, for example. Residential property is probably not going to be impacted greatly uh, by a US recession. Um, And that's why it's important to diversify amongst asset classes uh, over time uh, to, to make sure that you're not single point sensitive on any of these particular matters. But of course, there's going to be asset classes that are going to have a greater impact. So things like your super or a share portfolio that has international share exposure um, will obviously be impacted by these risks. Uh, So there's two things that you can do to sort of accommodate that. The first one is that you need to have enough control and transparency over your share or superannuation portfolio so that you can underweight your exposure to certain geographical markets. So if if you're really worried or take a view or that the evidence is showing that the US is going to have problems, well, you might want to reduce your exposure and underweight your exposure towards the US. I'm not suggesting you make large bets. In fact, that would be silly. 
because you could be wrong. But instead of um, making a large bet that is not in having any investments in the US, you would just be slightly underweight what your usual exposure would be, strategically tilt away from those perceived risks. The second uh, way of dealing with um, global uncertainty is to, uh, at the risk of sounding repetitious, uh, diversification. And that's the common thread underpinning most successful investment methodologies. Uh, So that not only includes geographical diversification, so that is spreading your monies across different geographical markets, but also considering your industry or sector diversification, so not having a particular exposure to any particular sector in one geographical location. Uh, You might have single company limits, um, and that's probably uh, more particular in smaller markets like the Aussie market, uh, where you can get exposures to, say, 10% of your money's invested in CSL for the moment if you just track an index. And then also other filters uh, to avoid sort of overvalued segments of the market, and that's, this is something that traditional indexing, market cap indexing strategies really just don't do very well um, to accommodate some of those risks. So you need to utilise various uh, rules-based uh, investment strategies other than just traditional market cap indexing. Okay, so how do you apply this framework or this approach to making decisions uh, if you've been impacted by the coronavirus situation um, so depending on your situation, obviously you could be impacted by across all three categories, personal, domestic and international risks. Um, so let's look at personal. If you've, um, if you've suffered from a job security perspective or your income has reduced or will be impacted by coronavirus, um, then you're probably best served by putting most of your investment decisions on hold uh, and focusing your, on, on uh, your efforts to recover your income. And for some people, that might be uh, just about waiting until the shutdown restrictions are lifting. And for some people, there's not a lot they can do in the interim as a result. For others, it might be reskilling, uh, retraining uh, or pivoting their business uh, towards other income streams. Uh, if you're one of the lucky people that uh, haven't been personally impacted uh, by coronavirus, or at least not materially so, Uh, then really the only risks that you need to worry about are domestic and international ones. And these can be a little bit easier to navigate, uh, as I've uh, talked about above, just through the formulation of your investment strategy and therefore the implementation of that strategy also uh, can accommodate most of those risks. Um, But now more than ever, I believe that people must be using evidence-based strategies and focusing on the long term. That's really the best thing, if I can describe it in one sentence, that you can do to help you navigate perceived times of high uncertainty. Uh, instead of asking, what should I invest in? A much better question to ask yourself is, how should you invest? Because that question forces you to focus on the strategy and methodology, uh, not just the underlying investments. And we all know that a well-thought-out strategy and methodology should go a long way to accommodating many of the present risks and uncertainties and also the future risks and uncertainties. So there you go. That's the uh, the blog and the podcast for this week. I hope it's been enjoyable. If you do enjoy listening to the uh, podcast and or reading the blog, I would greatly appreciate you sharing it, particularly now during times, of, again, of higher uncertainty. Um, uh, information, advice and insight uh, certainly helps alleviate a lot of the anxiety created during periods like this. 
uh, and hopefully um, my podcast contributes a little bit uh, towards doing that. So if you know of any friends, family or colleagues that might appreciate this sort of information, um, I'd greatly appreciate you sharing the link uh, to the podcast and getting them, uh, encouraging them to listen in. Uh, That's it for me. Otherwise, uh, stay safe and stay well. Until next week, bye for now.